Good evening, my brothers and sisters in Christ. We virtually meet today on the Wednesday before Holy Thursday. This is often called Spy Wednesday. And this is in reference to the fact that it was on this day that Judas Iscariot decided to betray Jesus. They had been at dinner in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, and Mary, one of his disciples, had anointed Jesus with very costly perfume. Judas complained that that money could have been spent on the poor, but he was really a thief. He wanted that money. At that point, he made the decision to go to the Sanhedrin, and he offered to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. My brothers and sisters, let us make sure that we never betray Christ through ignoring him in prayer or by being disobedient to his holy will. Let us always be faithful in good times and in bad. Some announcements for tonight's family catechesis. I want to remind you to go to the parish website, churchofstagnes.org, all spelled out. You can find the Holy Week schedule there. And just as a reminder, we will have confessions, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday from 10 until 11 in the downstairs chapel. Of course, please do follow all of the rules regarding social distancing. And I would greatly appreciate if you brought your own disinfectant wipes to wipe your side of the confessional uh, before and after you are finished confessing your sins. On uh, the Triduum, the actual liturgy of the Triduum will be live streamed, 7.30 on Holy Thursday night for the Mass of the Lord's Supper, 3 p.m. for the Good Friday service, and then 8 p.m. for uh, the Easter Vigil. Easter Sunday, Masses will also be live streamed at 8 a.m. for the Extraordinary Form Latin Mass, 9 a.m. for an English Mass with sacred music, and 10.30 a.m. our Ordinary Form Latin Sung Mass with Latin chant. The evening of reflection for those candidates to receive First Holy Communion will not take place in person, but we will broadcast on our SoundCloud channel. Please stay tuned for more details. If you're not receiving emails from the parish, please submit your contact information on the parish website, as I mentioned before, churchofstagnes.org. That's all spelled out. Especially during a time when we are prevented from physically being in the same place, our ability to communicate with you digitally is increasingly important. Our next family catechesis is five weeks from tonight on May 13th. Of course, let us pray and hope that we have the ability to see each other in person then. On that night, the 6th through 8th graders will play Stump the Priest. So I ask you to start collecting your questions and writing them down. These questions can concern God, the church, the Bible, but nothing trivial. Uh, and it also has to be a question that uh, you young people have that you don't know the answer of. Um, we're going to figure out whether or not you need to submit them ahead of time. Um, but it would be good if you emailed them to the catechese catechesis director, Matthew Kettle, and he'll assemble them for the clergy and I to respond then. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 
the Chaplet of the Divine Mercy. From St. Faustina's Diary. You expire, Jesus, but the source of life gushed forth for souls, and the ocean of mercy opened up for the whole world. O fount of life, unfathomable divine mercy, envelop the whole world and empty yourself out upon us. O blood and water, you gushed forth from the heart of Jesus as a fount of mercy for us. I trust in you. O blood and water, which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus as a fount of mercy, I trust in you. O blood and water, which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus as a fount of mercy for us, I trust in you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He did ascend into hell, and the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of our dearly beloved, of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. 
for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and the whole world. The optional closing prayer is also from the Diary of St. Faustina. Eternal God, to whom mercy is endless and the treasury of compassion inexhaustible, look kindly upon us and increase your mercy in us that in difficult moments we might not despair nor become despondent, but with great confidence submit ourselves to your holy will, who is love and mercy itself. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Good evening to my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is Father Mark Moriarty. It is my privilege to speak with you about the first three of the spiritual works of mercy. There are seven spiritual works of mercy in all. I will speak about instructing the ignorant, counseling the doubtful, and admonishing sinners. Father McConville will speak about bearing wrongs patiently and to forgive offenses willingly. And Deacon Nathan Allen will speak about comforting the afflicted and to pray for the living and the dead. So boys and girls and parents, first off, notice that they are re related to mercy. St. Augustine says that mercy is a heartfelt sympathy for others, especially the distress of others. And that impels us to help others if we can. Let's not also forget the definition of love. Love means to choose and to do what is good for someone else. Spiritual works of mercy then are really different kinds of active charity or acts of love, especially those kind of things that we would want someone to do for us. As we hear in the sacred scriptures, do unto others as you would want done unto you. So for example, if I am walking around and I still have some of my lunch on my face, if I was eating lunch, I would hope someone in charity would come up to me and say, Father, you have some of your sloppy joe all over your lips and your mouth. Yeah, that's an act of charity. Now, obviously that has to do more with looks and vanity, but the spiritual works of mercy help us in ways that are even more important in regards to that which is essential in our lives, our spiritual life and our ability to know, love, and serve God. The first one, instructing the ignorant. Now, this is not so much about worldly things, although it can sometimes be a charitable act to help a mom and dad, for example, to figure out how to use a smartphone. Sometimes the older we get, the less connected we are with modern technology. Again, that can be an act of charity, but the real kind of ignorance that the spiritual work of mercy is speaking about is about the important truths of life, especially connected with the faith. And so this is where we really want grandma and grandpa and our parents to instruct us, boys and girls. Boys and girls, they have a lot of experience and they can help you to know about the faith, to know about things that are important. And in fact, this is one of the reasons why I and the other clergy teach you. Our job is to give you what you need to know and to instruct you in the faith so you can appreciate God's plan for salvation and so that you can cooperate with it and give God praise and thanks while using his grace to perform the good works he wishes you to perform. And again, just tonight, Hopefully, I'm helping you by instructing you about something you might not know about. That's instructing the ignorant. It's not an insult to be considered ignorant because there are many things that I don't know. This is why I have to keep reading. This is why I have to keep praying and studying. So we are all in some way ignorant on some things. But it's a great act of charity if we can enlighten somebody else about the faith. And I'll give you a concrete example. 
Others need to know that God wants us to admit our faults and our failures, and that's the purpose of confession. We don't want to keep hidden our sins, even though God knows them. So Jesus taught us that we must forgive sins, and of course, McConville, Father McConville will be speaking about this in a moment. But in regards to the actual sacrament, we want to instruct other people in the world that this sacrament of reconciliation or confession is a great gift to help them not to be burdened by their guilt and their sins. The second spiritual work of mercy is counseling the doubtful. And again, this is primarily about matters of the faith. An example would be, does God love me? Sometimes people wonder if God cares about them. They might be thinking about the gifts they have received, the challenges that they have to face, or maybe the lack of the gifts that they have. Remember, we all don't have every gift. And they might wonder, does God really love me? Or they might question, does God hear and answer my prayers? Boys and girls, you and I can be a great light to the world by helping others to realize that, yes, God does love us. And in fact, very often, he loves us by not answering some of our prayers when our prayers are asking for the wrong things. For example, we might be asking for a gift that you and I really shouldn't be asking for. Maybe a lot of money. When You know, there's a possibility that you and I might not do so well with a lot of money. And so it might be a sign of God's love not to give us always what we want. And that's a way you can counsel somebody who is doubtful, who might be weak in their faith. The third work of mercy is admonishing sinners. The very word admonish, the root word in Latin is monere, to warn. This idea that we want to help somebody. If somebody is near the edge of a cliff, of course you want to watch them. Be careful. The hiking path up ahead gets really close to the edge. Be very careful. Of course you would want someone to warn you if you were about to be in peril. The same thing with admonishing sinners. Now it has to be a true sin that is causing some kind of harm. It's not just something bothersome to us. Like we don't like how somebody organizes their toys. No, it has to be a real sin that's harmful. Also, we have to be prudent about how we correct others. Boys and girls, we have to make sure that we correct others at the right time in the right way. We can't be yelling at them. We can't be uh, picking a bad time to do it. And furthermore, it should also be something whereby we are the appropriate persons to do the correction. We don't always need to correct everybody else's sins in every situation, especially if they're minor sins or if we don't know them. That might drive them away. If the correction is done poorly, we might push someone away from Jesus instead of actually helping them. And so let us make sure that we are always very charitably instructing the ignorant, counseling those who are doubtful, and admonishing sinners. God bless you. This is Father McConville. We're talking about the spiritual works of mercy, and I've been asked to comment on two of them. The first is to comfort the afflicted, or the sorrowful.
Well, we recognize that that word mercy itself talks about sorrow. The word miseria, the Latin word that mercy comes from, does mean just that, to feel sorrowful. And so when we can assist those who are experiencing sorrow, there's a sense in which we put ourselves in their place too. So we feel that sadness as well. This is then the call is for us to reflect that uh, hope that can come in the midst of that feeling of sadness. Notice in the scriptures, there's lots of times when people are comforting our Lord. For example, after Jesus was tempted in the desert by the devil, right after Jesus' baptism, we're told that an angel came and ministered to him. Or again, as Jesus was carrying the cross on the way to the crucifixion, the women of, the, of Jerusalem came to him and tried to comfort him. We see people comforting Mary and Martha when their brother Lazarus had died. We see uh, people comforting uh, the Blessed Mother at the foot of the cross, John the, uh, evan- or John the Evangelist, the beloved disciple, takes Mary into his home. So in all of these things, we can see there's just that natural desire for us to want to help people who are feeling sorrow in their lives. Somebody once told me that a joy shared is twice a joy, and a sorrow shared is half a sorrow. What a wonderful thought to know that we can assist people uh, in taking some of that grief away from them or making the burden a little easier to bear. That's really the beauty of comforting the sorrowful is that we recognize that in our own way, it's like comforting Jesus like those people did in Scripture. And as the Lord reminds us, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me but also that we can be a source of hope. You know, when we're suffering, it's very easy to forget that there are uh, the people in our lives that care for us. It's very easy to feel alone. Likewise, it's also to feel that maybe God isn't paying attention to us. And so when we comfort those who are sorrowing, we're assisting them in that reminder, that reminder that God does love us, that while hardships invariably will happen in our lives, we are not left alone, that God is there with us. And in fact, when we comfort those who are sorrowing, there's a way in which we represent Christ, that we are with uh, that person much as Jesus is with them, though not always felt or seen, he can be felt and seen through us. So comforting the sorrowful is a way that we can make Christ real to people at a time in their lives when they can feel very alone and honestly sometimes feel abandoned by God. Now the other uh, spiritual work of mercy that I was asked to speak about was to forgive injuries or to forgive those who harm us. And this can be a very difficult thing Uh, after all. But nevertheless, it is an opportunity for us to imitate our Lord. 
because all of us experience emotional hurt from other people, especially through unforeseen events. And the pain we experience is uh, typically involuntary and natural, you know, that we uh, feel hurt because somebody said something or did something that rubs us the wrong way. If we feel bad, that's going to be expected. But what's not natural and what we do have control over is our preoccupation and continual mental reviewing of what caused that emotional pain. We call that resentment. And if we allow ourselves to sit in resentment, that's going to be a problem because it tends to make us very angry and especially because the injury that made us angry is gone, we can't change it. It's over. And so for us to keep giving that into that memory of that hurt really doesn't help us. Now, an example that I remember or I've seen is when a player gets hit by a baseball or a hockey puck, for example, the coach will tell him, walk it off. And they know that the pain will wear off over time. The problem is that resentment never lets the pain wear off. We choose to relive the injury over and over again, and that pain feels just as raw and fresh in our memory as it did when it happened. But the anger, the isolation, and the other negative feelings, they tend to pile up into a real dense cloud bank, and they blot out whatever light the Holy Spirit would like to shine in our lives. So we recognize that resentment shrivels the spirit. It makes it small, if you will. And we've got a word in Latin we use in English called pusillanimous. When we're pusillanimous, that means we have a small spirit. And we don't want to be a small spirit pusillanimous. We want to be a great spirit. We want to be magnanimous. And forgiveness is our way to offer others, especially those that we feel resentment toward, a sense of value. And it's the sense of value that we desire for ourselves. It's a way for us just to kind of acknowledge that all of us make mistakes. All of us are human and therefore subject to doing things that do hurt other people. And if we just remember that all of us are in that same boat, we can start to have a little broader vision towards each other. In the Mass, one of the Sundays of the church year, the opening prayer says, O God, you manifest your almighty power above all by pardoning and showing mercy. Well, there it is, that God shows his power by saving us from our sins by forgiving our sins. And so we can share in that work with him when we choose to forgive those who have harmed us. This is Deacon Allen. You've heard Father Moriarty and Father McConville talk about the first five of the spiritual works of mercy. And I'm going to talk about right now what I think is probably one of the most difficult ones. It certainly is for me. And that is the sixth of the spiritual works of mercy, which is bearing wrongs patiently. Bearing wrongs patiently. You know, the one just before that, that Father McConville had talked about, forgiving offenses and injuries. Yeah, that's tough. You know, somebody's done something wrong to you, but you know that if you forgive them, 
uh, especially if they're really sorry, uh, then you know you you can your relationship that might have been hurt by that injury and that fight or whatever gets fixed and 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 things are good. But when we talk about bearing wrongs patiently, this is like things that you didn't do you didn't deserve at all you know sometimes if somebody if there's a fight there's more than enough blame to go around usually but here we're talking about somebody treating you badly and you didn't deserve it at all and bearing that patiently that's difficult to do but you know when we think about what our life as Christians is supposed to be we're supposed to be trying to become more and more like Jesus, to become better and better people through his grace. And what did Jesus do? There was no one in the universe that was more innocent than Jesus himself, right? Jesus was God himself. He was completely without sin. He didn't do wrong to anybody. And yet, what happened to him? He was laughed at. He was disbelieved. Uh, even some members of his own family thought he was nuts, the Gospels tell us. They thought he was crazy at some points. But yet, here he was, Almighty God himself, walking this earth to save us, save the universe, from sin and death. And in the end, what did he do? He spent his whole life serving people. Uh, going all over the place, giving himself to the point of spiritual and physical exhaustion. And the crowds kept coming and coming. And then finally, in the end, the crowds turned on him and his own people had him beaten to a bloody pulp and nailed to a cross where he died for our sins. That's the example that's being held out for us. St. Peter tells us in his first epistle that we are to walk in his steps, in Jesus' steps. And we do that by bearing those wrongs patiently. You know, nothing that we suffer in this life, whether it's a, something really big and catastrophic or something really small, nothing that we suffer in this life can be without meaning if we unite it to the sufferings of Jesus Christ. Because... You know what? By our baptism, we're joined to him. We are part of the body of Christ, St. Paul tells us. And so everything that we do in this life, if we unite it to him, it's Christ acting through us. We can forgive those wrongs that are done to us. We can bear those insults that, are, uh, that, that we face. Uh, all those wrongs patiently uh, because we unite them to the sufferings of Jesus Christ. And at that point, you know what, even though nobody has offered to, you know, the people who are treating us badly, they haven't said they're sorry. And maybe they're not sorry. But we can forgive them anyway because, and, uh, and bear those wrongs patiently because we want to be more and more like Jesus Christ. You know, one of my favorite spiritual writers was, uh, he was a Carmelite monk. Uh, um, and uh, uh, he uh, wrote a book called The Imitation of Christ. And in that book, The Imitation of Christ, his name was Thomas Akempis. 
And in there, he talks about something that I thought was kind of funny when I heard it first, but it makes a lot of sense. He says, you know, if you are ever criticized for something you didn't do, bear it patiently. Because, he says, you know you've gotten away with a lot of things that you really did deserve to get punished for. And that's kind of funny when you think about that. But then when you think about then that can call us to mind, you know, those times that we really did fail. And maybe we got away with it. And that can be part of our examination of conscience so that we can approach uh, God and seek his forgiveness in the sacrament of, of penance, uh, going to confession, um, and continue to grow in our spiritual life, uniting the little bits of suffering and the, and the big things that, are, that we bear, uh, those wrongs that are done to us without us deserving them. We can unite them to the sufferings of Christ and grow in virtue and strength and courage and all those things that will make us better people and more to the point, will make us better Christians so that ultimately, at the end of our lives, we will be united not only in this life with our Lord Jesus Christ, but forever in heaven with him. All right, so... This is the sixth of the spiritual works of mercy, to bear wrongs patiently. This is Deacon Allen again. Now we're going to turn to the seventh of the spiritual works of mercy. We're going to talk about praying for the living and the dead. Now, uh, when we pray for the living and the dead, I'll tell you the story. Remember the story from the gospel where the the Pharisees and the Sadducees are in the temple and they're asking Jesus a bunch of questions, trying to trip him up, really. And the Sadducees, who don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, they ask Jesus, you know, about, uh, um, they try to give him a, a trick question to see if they can trip him up on that. And Jesus' answer to them is really striking. He says, do you remember the story of the of Moses and the burning bush. And of course the Sadducees say, well, yes. And he says, God says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. Okay. So that what Jesus was saying is that, that Abraham, Isaac and Jacob are alive to God because even though they're dead at, you know, on this earth, uh, they're alive with him in heaven. And St. Paul talks about all of us being united as one body of Christ, each one of us a member of the body of Christ. And he says, just as you know, your, your hand can't say to your foot, I don't need you, I'm a hand, I'm more important, right? Or your eye can't say to your ear, I don't need you, I'm the eye, a sense of sight is more important than a sense of hearing. You know, they're part of the same body, and each part of the body needs the other, right? And so, in the same way, we as Christian people are united as one body of Christ. Uh, all of us have a different function, just like your hand does something different than your foot does, right? Just like your nose does something different than, you know, your, your, um, your knee. Um, but every part of your body has its function, and each one of us is part of the body of Christ has a function. And if part of us hurts, 
our whole body hurts in a way, right? You might have, uh, you know, hit your thumb with a hammer or stubbed your toe or something, and it's really a little tiny part of your body that's hurting. But man, it makes everything hurt, doesn't it? Um, and so in the same way, if part of the body of Christ, if another Christian person is hurting, we all, in a way, hurt. And if part of us rejoices, we all rejoice. When we think about prayer, you know, the highest form of prayer is praise, praising God for his great glory, you know, like we say in the Gloria during Mass, uh, not during Lent, because we don't say it during Lent, but during, but during Easter, we're going to say the Gloria a lot, you know, glory to God in, in the highest, on earth, peace to people of goodwill. Um, that's the highest form of, of prayer is praise. But there's also that form of prayer that is called intercessory prayer, where that's a big word, isn't it? But with intercessory prayer, we are asking for something on behalf of someone else. Okay? Just as, you know, if you have a friend or maybe one of your brothers or sisters wants something, but they're just kind of too shy to say it. Say Christmas is coming up and you know what they want for Christmas, but they're not going to tell your mom and dad. So maybe you would go and say, you know what, I think you should get that for because he really wants that or she really wants that that might be a, an example of what i'm talking about except instead of talking to your parents about christmas presents you're talking to god about what somebody else needs you know we often will come to people and say what do you want uh what do you really want me to pray i want to pray for you what what do you really need um and, uh, and that can be a great thing. I have a good friend of mine, and we were doing that with, with, uh, throughout Lent. We're each praying for something for the other. And, and that's one thing we can do in praying for the living. But as I started out by talking about the dead, and God being the God of, the, of uh, not of the dead, but of the living, and so those who have gone before us, you know, are dead in this world, but they're alive to God, they're still part of, of this body of Christ. And so those Christian people who've gone before us and are now in purgatory and need our prayers, we can pray on behalf of them too, for the things they need to be purified of that last bit of, you know, attachment to sin that keeps them from enjoying the fullness of the presence of God in heaven. Um, we can pray on behalf of the, of, the, of the living, just as we can pray on behalf of the living, we can pray on behalf of those who are dead, who have gone before us. Uh, and so we will do that, especially, you know, when November is coming around, we come to All Souls Day, we certainly pray on behalf of the dead, but we should be praying on behalf of the dead, uh, you know, uh, uh, all the time. So when you think about that, maybe, you know, offer uh, one of your uh, decades of a rosary, if you're praying a rosary or something like that on behalf of the poor souls in purgatory. Um, because we're all one body. We're all in this together. And if one part of, the of your body hurts, your whole body hurts. And if part of your body rejoices, your whole body is, feels good, right? And so, um, we pray on behalf of the living and we pray on behalf of the dead. And you know, we even, in a way, we ask the dead to pray on behalf of us, the living, right? When we, when we, uh, when we pray 
to the saints when we say, for example, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. You know, and then we say, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. So even those saints who've gone before us, and as far as this world is concerned, they're dead, but they're alive in heaven with God. They pray on our behalf because all of us, the, the church here on earth, the church in heaven, and the members of the church who are right now in purgatory, we're all part of this one great body of Christ. So we pray on behalf of the living and the dead.